Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Thank you. Oh, it's an honor to be here. And the first thing I have to do is I have to say a shout out to one of my patients. I hear you. I see you. I told her on Thursday, um, she said, Cheryl, is that you? You know, because you have a mask on and everything. And I'm like, turned around. I'm like, yeah. And um, she's like, I haven't seen you for a long time. Well, she comes on a different day and everything. And that she would know my name just really touched me. And um, then she said, oh, I watch Eric still all the time. And I said, thanks for watching. I said, he's a lot. I said, he's a lot at home, too. She goes, oh, I love him. She goes, but I haven't heard from you for a long time. And I said, oh, you're going to hear from me on Sunday, and I'm going to say a shout out. Let man do what man can do, but let God do what God can do. And I proclaim healing, divine health, and the doctors of Springfield Clinic Oncology are going to be amazed. Amen? All right. So I had to do that. Um, you got to do what you promise. And I was just so touched that she would remember my name when I hadn't seen her for a couple years. And so happy Mother's Day. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, as Eric alluded to, um, we have had a couple miscarriages. And um, I, we went through some struggles. And I'm just going to briefly mention those just to encourage you. Every life has challenges, and when you and like Lynn losing Bjarni, I mean, when the circle of life is broken, God's grace gets you up in the morning, and um, you've all dealt with things. And if you've lost your mother, I miss my mom something terrible, but I know where she's at. And um, so Eric and I, you know, we had been married seven years before we had Hannah. I wasn't going to share too much about that, but let me tell you just the power of God. When was the last time we sang as the deer? Okay, one of my first miscarriages, I was in the hospital. I had, I had to have a little surgery after the first miscarriage, and... Um, I was pretty dehydrated, and I was dehydrated enough that the anesthesiologist and the surgeon got in a fight about me, and now I understand those things a little bit more than I'm a nurse. And um, anyway, when I woke up from the anesthesia, I was so thirsty, and that song came to my mind, and I just kept, do I long for God as much as I am thirsty right now? And that song has always meant something to me. And that Lexi would have picked that today, it just really touched me. And it took me back. And when I was waking up from the anesthesia, I said to Eric, I said, I think I heard your voice. And he said, the anesthesiologist let me come back and talk to you before you were awake. So um, God is good. And um, the desire of my heart when Eric and I were trying to have children, is I wanted a house full of girls. Thank you, Ryan and Hannah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 30 years later, God's hearing my prayer. And um, God in his wisdom, and yes, I was sick, and we got to the bottom of all that, and Eric took care of me. And um, so I'm thankful for Hannah. She's a miracle. Um, they sent me to a specialist up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and um, when we went in there, he's like, I can tell by looking at you. He goes, you're sick. And how did you have her? I said, 
she's a God thing right there. God chose her. And he chose me and Eric to raise her. So hallelujah. So with that being said, um, I understand the struggles. Everybody's are different. But years ago, I wrote a chapter in a book called Waiting for Baby. And I just kind of poured my heart out how God dealt with me, how um, I worked through that. And I know it's a struggle for people. And so we made some photocopies. I'm just going to set them up here. If you'd like to have a copy, if you know somebody who's trying to get pregnant or is struggling, um, please take one of these. Um, I don't have any more books because I'm saving them for all my granddaughters. And... Um, just help yourself. It's a, just a quick little devotional chapter, and I thank God that it got published, and um, he spoke through me. So I'm very thankful, and um, I became a mother. Hallelujah. So happy Mother's Day. With all the trials and things that go on in motherhood, have you ever noticed that when you get a group of women together, and they start talking about their delivery experience, everybody's got something to say? And theirs was like this, and I waited, and it was so long, and, and everybody's is the, the most dramatic or the most, and it's like you get them going, and these women can talk about their delivery. It's a big deal. And it says in Genesis, you know, we do go through pain with labor, waiting for that baby to arrive. And each one of us in this room, let me tell you, you had a mother who gave you birth, who gave you life. And that's, we celebrate, celebrate that today. Um, I know there's struggles of today, but the bottom line is the woman who gave you birth chose life. And it was a woman who gave you birth. And let me just tell you, nobody's taken that away from the women. We are the ones who give birth. Amen? It says in Genesis 1:27, male and female, he created them. And to have these beautiful babies, God had a plan, and it still takes both parts, both to offer their, um, what they have to contribute. But let me tell you, ladies, nobody is going to tell me that anybody but a woman gives birth to a baby child. And we need to stand up for who we are and stand up for that, and um, we were all born by a female. Well, when I was growing up, oh, I wanted to just tell you one more thing real quick about Mother's Day. One of the um, greatest things you can give your children, heritage, is your Bible. I have my mom's Bible, I have my grandma's Bible, and their markings, and I love that. And I will always have that. And in my mom's Bible, my dad's, she marked my dad's favorite verse. And it's um, Third John, verse 4, it says, there's no greater joy than knowing that my children are walking in the truth. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about today, is the truth. Some things... I'm not even going to um, discuss about society, but I am going to say this. When I was young, and you think like a child, I thought dogs were boys and cats were girls. <laughs> did anybody else think that? I did. I thought <laughs> dogs were boys and cats were girls. And then I grew up and I went to nursing school. <laughs> and I found out how it really works and how it really happens, and um, 
let me tell you a little funny story about that because Hannah being the only one, you know, we were, we protected her and um, we were, she was a little girl and gosh, some of the things they're teaching in school today, honestly, I would have been horrified as a child, horrified. And um, so I'm in nursing school teaching piano. Eric and I agreed I would teach piano and we would pay for nursing school as I went. And it was during a piano lesson and Hannah, first grade, she knew you don't interrupt mom when, you're te when she's teaching piano. These people are there, they're paying, it's a job. And I had a little room and I'm teaching a piano lesson and I hear on the piano room door and I'm like, Hannah. I said, come in, Hannah. So she comes in. Here's her. Let me show you her face. This is my anatomy book. <laughs> well, she found the picture of the naked man and the naked woman. <laughs> As you have those moments and opportunities, I said, Hannah, that's a man they all look alike. That's a woman they all look alike. Male and female, he created him, and that's that. She went... Okay. <laughs> so that took care of that. And uh, we never need to be embarrassed about such things because that's just how God created us, uh, male and female. And uh, he knew what he was doing. And so we stand by that. So if you put up my verse of the day, John 8, 31 and 32, that would be awesome. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Amen. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I can't read that screen back there, sorry. The truth shall set you free. I don't want to be in bondage. I don't want to be in confusion. I want to walk in the truth, and I want to be free. And, and that means every area of freedom in my life is walking in the truth in freedom. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Can you put up my, there, there it is. The ministry of truth. Every morning when I go to work, I put on the belt of truth. I know a lot of people put on the armor of God and I do on my way to work in the car, but I always put on the belt of truth because we as Christians, we want to be kind. We want to be loving, but we need to learn to tell the truth in love. Now, one thing about me, and if you don't know it, is I, I'm a studier of World War II. Um, I started studying it because I'm like, how could that happen? How could we have been so blind? And how could so many people have been killed? And so anyway, I, I became a big World War II studier. I still am today. And of course, you can't study World War II without loving Winston Churchill. Amen. Last year for Mother's Day, Eric got me his uh, autograph. So in my dining room, I have an autograph of Winston Churchill. And I always pray, may the Holy Spirit lead me and also the power of Winston Churchill. <laughs> so, because he was quite a man. He saved Britain. So put my slide up there. Look at that. In war, truth is often the first casualty. People, we're in war. And the thing that goes first is truth. Amen? We as Christians, we take a stand of righteousness and truth. And what I see in the world today, they want to tell me how to think instead of 
No, excuse me, I just said the opposite. They teach me what to think instead of how to think. And that's my concern in the schools too. Don't, and even growing up, don't tell me what to think, but tell me how to think. And th that's becoming an issue in the world and some things are black and white. And uh, so we're gonna hit on some of those today. But we as Christians, we have to be seekers of truth. Discoverers, don't believe everything you hear, right? Um, it's our job to find the truth. When something's said and it doesn't make sense, like a man can have a baby, we, if the whole church, if the whole body of Christ would say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I was in the labor room with my wife. I saw birth. Men, you haven't given birth. You know? And um, God has a plan and we're sticking to it. And, um, and one thing I'm not talking about today all is sexuality or behavior. I'm not talking about that today. I'm not hitting on that truth. But I am saying male and female, he created them. Well, anyway, we got to know who our enemy is. If you're in a war, who are you fighting against? We're not fighting each other. We are not. Uh, we can be uh, confused with that truth and think we're fighting each other, but we're not. It says in Ephesians 6, 12... Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is ultimately a spiritual battle. God speaks truth, the enemy does not, and it's in the heavenlies. And we need scales to fall off people's eyes. And when we're deceived, we need scales to fall off our eyes. So we are seekers of the truth, speakers of truth in love. We're at war. It says in John 8, 44, this is about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar, the father of lies. If it's a lie, it's of the enemy. If it's truth, it's of God. And that's the foundation of what we build our life on. I have a fellow friend, nurse, and she's also a pastor. And we went out to breakfast one time, and we have some differing opinions, and that's fine. Um, but we sat down, and she was like, Cheryl, I really need you to reconsider some of your stance. And I'm like, not happening. That's not happening. My nickname as a child was Bullhead, and that was for a reason. I said, nothing you can say can change my mind from the word of God. I believe this is what it says, and I'm not taking it out of context. And if we have to go back to the Hebrew and Greek, we will, but you cannot change my mind. Amen? So I uh, hopefully have a backbone that uh, can stand up to anything, and that's my plan in this world, to stand for Jesus and righteousness. So if we're in a war, what are the casualties? The first one's going to be family. If the enemy can destroy family, then it's culture and everything follows down because the family is the unit of our society that functions. And so the family unit is under attack, and we know that. And so we fight for family. Marriages are under attack. 
and I'm not doing marriage counseling right now, um, but let me tell you, usually marriage problems after being in the ministry for quite a few years, it's selfishness. When you're honest with yourself, you want your own way, your partner wants their own way, and it perpetuates itself. But usually, the root of marriage problems is selfishness. And I believe that. And um, just next time, if you feel like arguing with your spouse, is it over selfishness? You want your way, they want their way. And uh, Eric and I are both very strong personalities. Um, he's a lion, and I'm a whatever, whenever I need to be it, pretty much. Um, but he's a textbook lion, and um, we both have strong opinions. But we respect each other's opinions, and some things aren't worth arguing about just because it's maybe a style thing. Or, a, but ultimately, he's the head of our home, and and I don't mean this in a threatening way, but he will be accountable for that. Men, you men, you still are men, and you will be accountable for your home, and um, so I respect that. But just really search your heart when there's arguments. How much is it just selfishness wanting your own way? And Eric and I even play games with each other because I have a little OCD and he's very picky. So together, <laughs> very picky. Yeah, just say, let me just tell you, like we had been dating since juniors in high school and yeah, he chased me. It was almost stalking. Yeah, uh, like I'm off the bunny trail here, but Lynn, some of this you know, but like, okay, I was in a car, I totaled my dad's little Mustang, and um, I was not known for my driving, so if you wonder why I park here, you should be glad I am, and not parking over there. I hit our garage three times since we've lived there. Okay, so anyway, I was coming home from a piano lesson, and I went through a yellow light, and a taxi hit me, and I told my dad's Mustang. And so, you know, I have stitches and all of that. And I'm having a party at my house. And my house was kind of the collecting grounds. And Eric, this was in high school, remember? And we were kind of dating, but whatever. And then another friend, kind of dating, but whatever. And um, neither one of them would leave my house. Until my mom, uh, she calls me and she goes, when are they leaving? I said, they're outweighting each other. And you know, Eric will outweigh. <laughs> so Eric will be the one that, she's like, go home. So anyway, um, he chased me hard. And, and then I heard the audible voice of God. We were engaged. We called it off because I wasn't for sure what I was doing with my head and my life and piano. And I heard the audible voice. God only heard it twice in my life. I, I sat up in bed to look around to see if anybody was in my bedroom. And I heard the voice of God say, I chose him for you. What are you doing? And I was like, okay. I call him that day. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, so we were together from then on. And yeah, anyway, we're both very strong personalities. And so we do this game in our house in a fun way. Like he'll put something like that and I'll walk by it and I'll move it back. He'll walk by and he'll move it. And I'll walk by and I'll move it back. Because that's just how I function. I'm just very much that way. Ta, 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 ta. And it's a good thing. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
but we get along just great. We've been married 38 years this summer, so I think we figured out a few things. Um, okay, I was thinking of some stories, but we need to move on. Okay, family, children, let me tell you, we are, we are fighting for our children, amen? And we're going to teach them truth. And from, it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, you can put that up there, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Well, I believe that. And of course, I just had Hannah. By the way, Ryan, God did show me my grandson when I was in Germany. So I don't know how we're going to have a boy or how you guys are going to have a boy, but I saw him. I saw my grandson in Germany at Box House. And he played the clavichord, the organ, the harpsichord. He played them all. And he was a cross between Hannah and Ryan. I went, Eric, that's my grandson. Whatever he wants, Grandma's buying him. I'll probably buy him a car when he turns 16 and Ryan said amen. So uh, training a child in the way they should go. So Hannah, you know, uh, we very much focused on her. And Eric and I made the agreement that we would always tell the truth to Hannah. We would speak the truth. We were not going to lie to her. And we would be honest in love. And so we did that. And it's a process. And I'm going to give you some examples. You use what you want. I'm not saying if you do the opposite, you're wrong. You do what's right in your home. For example, in our house, we grew up with Santa. With Hannah, we did not invest in that because we, Eric and I agreed that we weren't going to put investment into convincing this child of something that's not true. And by the way, you can be thankful to us for your Christmas presents, right? And um, so from the very beginning, we always said we would speak truth. And that happened in many situations in her life. And when she was getting ready for college, she went down to Florida to check out a school. And one of the classes talked about lying. It's not really a lie if, and it's not really a lie this. And Hannah's like, oh, no. And she spoke up in class. And I said, I can tell you right now, you're not going to that school. And um, so even at Christmas, Hannah would have So she had such this strong... Um, propensity then for truth. So it'd be like, if she would open a gift, she'd be like, don't like it. Okay, so we're going to have to work on the truth thing. <sighs> you can say thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate the thoughtfulness. La, 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 la. But say something. You don't be so blatant. But I don't want to lie. I said, that's not a lie. You're just, you know, so then you got to like teach them how to be truthful in a kind kind of way and uh, she'd come to me I had a bad thought okay Han, clean, clean your mind clean it out pray over it and Eric and I got to uh, she said that so often Eric and I got to a point like we don't want to hear about your bad thoughts anymore just pray about it <laughs> so um, oh yeah or she'd, yeah she'd come home I think I looked at somebody's paper Okay. <laughs> you know, what do you do with that? Well, one time she got into the car and she slammed the door and I was like, oh, what's going on, Hannah? I cheated today. I said, okay. Pull the car over. Let's go. We go into the school. Tell the teacher what you told me. I looked at somebody's paper today. The teacher was like, thank you for telling me, Hannah. Hannah's crying. And of course, she probably had, she did not use their answers or anything. And um, the teacher was very gracious and said, Hannah, I bet you'll never do that again. And she's like, I won't. I'll never do it again. And I'm like, okay, 
that's good. But then high school came and uh, peers, pressure. Hannah's a pom-pom girl. All of them are going out to TGI Fridays and they're having, you know, the, whatever they have to eat there. Uh, and so she comes out of the bathroom and they all start singing happy birthday to Hannah. It's not her birthday. She knows it's not her birthday. She knows when her birthday is. And so um, they got free dessert. Come on. So she tells Eric and I that, and we're like, yeah, she came home and told us, she, that child is an open book. She will, the thing she says, I go, Eric and I look at each other and I say, I never have, would have said such things. She's like an open book. She'll say any, I mean, just whatever her thought. She came home and told us. So Eric's like, well, go get your money out of your bedroom, out of your bank, and we're going back to TGI Fridays. She goes, but I didn't do it. But yeah, you did because you knew the truth and you didn't tell them the truth. You went along with the lie. So she gets her money. They drive to TGI Fridays. And Eric says, go on in. Tell the manager you owe him money. So she did. And the manager was like, now what? <laughs> now what? Now you, and so he's like, okay, well, thanks for telling me and just keep your money. And she came back out and he, the, the manager was so blown away, he didn't know what to do. But did you hear what I'm saying about truth? And, and so all these little things in life that set them up for a life of victory, um, she was, wanted to do gymnastics. You know, all the little girls, they want to do dancing or gymnastics. I took her to dance. She did one dance class, and they stood there and went. She kept saying, when are we going to dance? You know, the mirror was there. She was ready to, like, break a move in front of the mirror, and they kept saying, point and touch, point and She's like, when are we going to dance? All right, so we didn't do dance lessons. And then we went to gymnastics. She never passed the class the first time. She couldn't do a somersault. She couldn't do it the second time. Third class, we still didn't pass the third time. And, but she was like out front, like smiling and having a great time, but she couldn't do the somersault. Yeah, and it was three classes, you know. And so I talked to her. I said, Hannah, I think maybe we need to find something else that you're really going to be good at because I'm thinking gymnastics, looking at your dad and I, you just may not be the athlete that you were doing. <laughs> You know, and uh, maybe we need to kind of rethink that. And so, um, and with the pressures of self-esteem, kids are being beat down. And Hannah would come home from school and she'd be like, everybody says I'm so big. Why does everybody say I'm so big? I said, well, probably because you're the tallest in your class, right? And sm I said, small doesn't mean good. And who decides what's better? And I said, you're never going to be a size six. You're never going to be a size eight you're gonna be six foot, right? So here's what you do, you walk tall with your shoulders back and you walk tall. But I never wanna see you slump. You're probably gonna be the tallest. And um, so she had that revelation, she goes, oh, I better at least be six foot or six two. <laughs> I said, that's right, that's right. You don't have to be like everybody else. Well, who decides what's better, right? If we care about what everybody else thinks, what does it matter what I think? And what I think matters. So I love you, but what you think isn't the most important thing to me. It's nice if everybody likes me, but it's not necessarily, right? So anyway, uh, with that being said, even with grandchildren, I want to give you another example now that I'm a grandma. And um, so Davina and Liberty are coloring at the table. And I think even as adults, you need to hear this, what I'm going to say. As, adult, as adults, listen to this lesson. Um, 
Liberty and Davina are coloring. They're done. Liberty says to Davina, do you like my picture? Davina goes, no. Liberty, she doesn't like my picture. I said, everybody doesn't have to like your picture, right? Why do I, and then I go to Davina. Davina, if you don't like it, you could say something nice, like, do you like the color? That she put a lot of effort into it, right? Teaching Davina and teaching Liberty, she doesn't have to like it. Because in life, not everybody's gonna like it. And if I set her up, to think that everybody's gonna like what she does, she's gonna have a very hard life. And so I say to Liberty, I said, I love it. I said, but Davina doesn't have to. Do you like it? Well, I do. Good. I love how you express yourself. That's what's important, that you like it. Now, I didn't jump on Davina, I just said, say it something nice about it, right? And uh, teaching moments. And so it passes on through uh, life. So I'm a nurse, and I just had an opportunity to handle, to ha I had somebody say something about me, a patient. You know, sometimes you're the nurse, you're like the dog they kick when they get home. Usually my patients are really awesome and nice, and um, they make me a better person. I had a situation where a patient, she came in on the wrong day. And uh, so I'm trying to figure out how we're going to figure this out and what we're going to do about her treatment and her chemo. And I'm asking her all these things. This, can we do it this way? I ask her, I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years. She looks at the lady, she goes, is she just stupid or what? And I was like, let's go to the office. They asked her the all same questions. And a new nurse who I just love is very tender, more tender than me. And um, she goes, Cheryl, I would have cried. I said, just because she said it doesn't make it true. She's having a bad day. She came in on the wrong day. Her chemo schedule's all messed up. And she's scared. She's frightened. So I was the dog she kicked. Right? So even as adults, it'd be nice if everybody liked us all the time and said nice things, but that's not reality. So we can either go in the corner and pout about it or move on. And it, I just feel like that's life. Um, so we need to have tough skin, but a tender heart. And when we uh, become more sensitive to others than about ourselves, because we can teach grandchildren and children to be so sensitive about yourself. Somebody doesn't like you, somebody's mean at school, somebody's bullying. I would, yeah, if someone bullied my dog, oh, she should take you out, you know, she's a black belt. <laughs> and, um, so my encouragement to you is you know the truth. You know the truth about your family. You stand strong for your kids. Someone comes to you and says something uh, negative or here's what you do. Get the facts. If someone says something to me, I say, are they speaking truth to me? Do, is God using this donkey to try and tell me something? And then... <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes, you know, God can use a donkey. I think, is that true? And then sometimes it's, well, yeah, maybe you need to work on that, Cheryl. Maybe, you know, you come across this way. Or maybe it's like, no, no that's, that's not of God speaking to me. I need to just ignore that. Um, but we do have to search ourselves and be honest with ourselves. Sometimes somebody says something to us, and there's a reason they say it, and we need to kind of take a look at ourselves. 
And um, I'll tell you, when I was sick with Graves' disease, I mean, I was hyper, hyper, more hyper than... Because <laughs> now I can barely keep up with them. But I was super hyper. And um, I didn't sleep. I was very skinny. I had big eyes. They call it the frog face with this disease. You're very skinny with big eyes. And th I would just pop off. I'd just say stuff. Just because I was so hyper. And then I'd be like, why did I say that? And I was apologizing to people all the time. But I needed to apologize. And um, so, you know, everybody's going through something. And you just got to be honest with yourself. Is it true what's being said? But if it's not, then move on, right? We don't want to go stand in a corner because somebody hurt our feelings, you know? Um, now, if you grew up with my dad, my dad thought everybody adored him. <laughs> Who gets that kind of a personality? That I, my dad's like, everybody likes me. Guess what I, guess what I told Eric in, um, you know, people's lives. I told Eric this. I had put it so far back in my mind, I couldn't even think about it because my dad and I were so tight. But um, my grandma tried to abort my dad. And um, my dad was pretty awesome. And I'll tell you, everybody did like him. And I think your own mother, who she turned out to be a really good mom for him and loved him. But it's like, when I found out that, it was like, it was very hard for me. So he wasn't wanted at the time, but guess what? He was very wanted, and he's affected a lot of lives. And um, I just thank God he was born because, I mean, I wouldn't be here either. And uh, so I want to read you a poem. To my grown-up son, or if you have a grown-up daughter. My hands were busy through the day. I didn't have much time to play. The little games you asked me to, I didn't have much time for you. I'd wash your clothes, I'd sew and cook, but when you'd bring your picture book and ask me please to share your fun, I'd say, a little later, son. I'd tuck you in all safe at night and hear your prayers turn out the light. Then tiptoe safely to the door, I'd wish I'd stayed a minute more. For life is short and years rush past, a little boy grows up so fast. No longer is he at your side, his precious secrets to confide. The picture books now put away. There are no children's games to play. No goodnight kiss, no prayers to hear. That all belongs to yesteryear. My hands, once busy, now lie still. The days are long and hard to fill. I wish I might go back and do the little things you asked me to. In the family, get your priorities figured out. I can tell you and assure you, I've been a cancer nurse for over 20 years. No one, no one in their last breaths have said, Cheryl, I really wish I would have made more money. Cheryl, I really wish I would have spent less time with my kids and worked harder. None of that has ever been said. Get your priorities in order. We don't need more things. When you talk to youth group, when I've gone on an encounter with the youth, they're always like, I want more of my family's attention. I don't need more things. Amen? Amen? The second, after the family, the second thing under attack, because it always, uh, the enemy, the devil hates unity, is the church. Right here. We should be standing for truth, and when we all link arms together, we can advance the kingdom. If every Christian who calls himself a Christian stand up for what truth is, 
I don't think we'd be quite in the mess we are today. And I'm not blaming you personally, but I'm saying the church as a whole. Why, what are we compromising about? What are we doing? I mean, I saw on TV where a guy thinks he's a cat. <laughs> and he's getting whiskers put in his face. And I'm like, is that loving to go along with that? Or is it truth to tell him the truth and love and get figured out what's going on there? Right? Just to agree with somebody isn't loving. When you tell somebody the truth, that's going to get them free. Yes, in love and figure out what the issue is. But I'm like, meow. I had a patient who thought they were a cat. And when I took care of them, they'd be like, your paws are very cold. <laughs> they thought they were a cat. Well, they, there's something not right there, but you're still loving and kind. I took good care of them. But when, what are we doing to people when we put whiskers into their face? Right? What are we doing to that human? I don't know. What's happening to the medical com community? <clears throat> so, there is a war against the bride of Christ. Your enemy, 1 Peter 5, 8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Well, he's looking for the church. He hates unity. He hates when there's unity in the home. He hates unity in the church. We have to protect it. We've got to protect each other. We protect the pastors. There's uh, conflict and burnout, rumors, busyness. We can get into a big deal over a style of music. The style of music is whatever you like. It doesn't have to be a certain thing. The Bible doesn't talk about that. It talks about worship. Some people like the organ. Some people like old style music. Fine, let them like it. That may minister to them more. But we don't want to argue about stuff that's really not foundational biblical. That's one of the reasons why one of the things we do is don't committee everything. Because, okay, if we have a committee for carpet, and you half want red and you half want purple... No matter what, if we get red or purple, half of you are going to be mad. We didn't like your opinion, or you really had the better idea, and you really think it should have been purple, and then we're fighting about carpet, and people are dying and going to hell thinking they're a cat. You know, you know what I'm saying? So the devil does use things to distract us and argue, and let's just stick to the truth. We got carpet, Hallelujah. And um, in Guatemala, you don't have a carpet, and the dog would be up here going to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? In the dirt floor. So let's just be happy we have beautiful carpet and not get too excited about what color it is. Just saying. Uh, so it's the truth is what sets us free. Now, if you say, well, Cheryl, there's really not any absolute truth. Some things aren't absolute. Let me read you a little comment on that. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? To make the statement that there is no absolute truth, it's illogical. A good question to ask people who say there is no absolute truth is this. Are you absolutely sure of that? If they say yes, they have made an absolute statement, which itself implies the existence of absolutes. So, there are absolutes. Amen? And... Um, this doesn't change. The style might change. How we do ministry as far as outreach may change. Uh, buildings and screens, live music. But the word does not change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bible is truth. And it does not ple change to please culture confusion. I wrote that myself and I like it. I'll read it again. 
<laughs> Bible is truth. It does not change to please culture confusion. <laughs> and there is a lot of culture confusion. Um, my Davina, who is six, knows boy or girl. She knows she's a girl. What are we doing to people when we lie to them? That we love them. That's what we do first of all. Amen. We minister to them in love. But we stand for the word of God. And churches that change how they do things to please people, they're going to be accountable for that. And that pastor is going to be accountable. And um, I'm running out of time. I got one more thing to say. Our soul. Ultimately, be the truth, be truthful about what's going on in your soul. Because ultimate war, the, the main is over your soul and where you're going to heaven or hell. So the importance of something in your life should be based on, is, does it affect eternity? The color of the carpet doesn't affect eternity unless you let it and you get in the corner and pout, right? But the color of the carpet really doesn't affect eternity. How we seek God, what we believe in him, how we worship him, how we pray and let him reveal truth to us. If you're confused about something, pray. It says he will reveal himself to you if you ask. He will reveal truth. Um, <clears throat> so what you are hungry for is what you're seeking in your life. If you're hungry for fame and fortune and house and um, popularity, you know, in my life, I, I thank God I never cared about being popular. And uh, Hannah in high school, I said, Hannah, if you desire to be popular, what will you do to stay popular? How far will you go to stay popular? That's the thing that every popular person has to face. How do I stay popular? And, um, okay, so for what you hunger for is what you're, yeah, that's what you'll seek. If you're hungry for the things of God, you'll seek the things of God. If you're hungry for truth, you'll be a truth seeker, and that's what you'll find. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor we distort the truth, which is the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the truth. So our goal is to bring them Jesus. It says in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. So if you're a Jesus seeker and you love Jesus, you're a lover of truth. Amen? So we accept the truth and we live a life of freedom. And freedom doesn't mean easy. But every 200 years, people, we fight for religious freedom. So get your boots on. Get your fight on. Let's fight against the enemy and be in prayer, protecting our families, our churches, our souls, our fellow brothers and sisters. Can you put up the cartoon for me? I love Snoopy. 
If it can be destroyed by the truth, it deserves to be destroyed by the truth. So whenever anybody really seeks science, like the little old anatomy book, you cannot change the truth. It's not changing. Emotions change, feelings change, but the truth is foundational. So my prayer for you is to live a victorious life of freedom, not bondage. You know who you are. Don't let other people speak untruth to you. Don't accept it. Speak truth in love. And when you accept Jesus, you're accepting the truth. And with that in mind, I'm going to close the service and ask Eric to come up because I want him to close the service. <laughs> truth. That's the foundation of our lives. And I, and I believe it so much that I want to stand on the word of God that I, um, if, if, if pressure comes, I will not take a knee because I know God's mercy and grace will give me the strength to stand for his truth because I know where I'm going and I want to take as many people with me as possible. And that means loving them and speaking truth to them not saying think whatever you want and that can be your truth because that's not right that's not how you love people to lie to them amen so i'm gonna let eric close because i know i can meander but i know he can put a little bow on it she did good didn't she yeah thanks why don't y'all stand up at the end of the day know this if you seek truth you'll find it because jesus is the way and the truth we're very proud of you. We're very proud to be a part of this church with you, lovers of truth and speakers of truth. And uh, so, Father, we ask that you would minister to us, that we'd be kind and we'd be generous, we'd be patient, and we'd be speakers of truth. And, Lord, that that truth that is within us lives eternally. But if you don't know who Jesus is, with all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed right now, this is the moment to invite truth into your life. Like a bright flashlight in a dark room, it may cause a moment or two of irritation, but then it brings peace and comfort as it shows you the way. Father, we accept your light. We accept your truth. And though we may not understand it, we do believe it, that you are the way to righteousness, to peace, and to joy. So this moment, Lord, we open the door of our heart and we invite you to come in in all of your brilliance, even into the dark corners and the recesses, every secret room of our heart, to shine the brightness of your truth upon the lies that we may have believed. And so we surrender our life to you, our mind, our heart, our soul, and say, Father, lead us by your truth so that we might show others that there is the way out of darkness. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, 
your place for real, relevant relationships.